Hello, today we're going to eat lightning and crap thunder. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I don't have any witty sports thing to say. <laughs> I'm the thunder from down under. I'm David. And welcome to Boy, Stasis Pod, the Transformers Robots in Disguise podcast. Today we're looking at episode 19, which first aired July 25th, 2015, uh, written by Transformers veteran Stephen Melching. Yay! Not um, just some random realtor like the last episode. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, in, although, in fact, this is his most recent episode of Transformers. Aww! Oh. He didn't write any after no. this? No, uh, we previously saw him uh, write Sideways, the one with uh, Clampdown. Yes. Mm. And good. interestingly, this one involves the voice of Sideways in a video game. <laughs> really? Uh and specifically the sideways who gets cut in half at the beginning of uh Transformers oh. Revenge of the Fallen. Oh. Mr. Lengthwise. Yes. Not to be confused with Cliff Jumper or Ambulon. No, that seems to happen a lot. That's pretty <laughs> that's, gross. That's troubling. Well, it's happened a lot since 2010? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, the culture's just getting more violent out there. Yeah, mm. yeah. I still think that James Roberts did it best. Uh, was, was his before Sidewise in the movie? Oh, definitely. After. Okay. I think so, we, so... Were, we were definitely a couple movies in when that comic came out. Yeah. Okay. I need to reread that. So, so we open on a construction site and a couple of suspicious pieces of construction equipment. Yay! That's always a, a great uh, sign with Transformers. What? They're... They're exceedingly suspicious. They're not neon green. <laughs> yes. Would would you I'm say confused. would you say that they are sus? They're very sus. They're not even like neon orange or neon yellow. <laughs> or uh the same color what color was Grimlock in the last Robots in Disguise? Was he green? Green. He was also green. Not like a neon green though. Like a kind of no. like a forest green sort of. He's a lot like the same green that he is in this. Yes. Yeah, and they are Ground Powder, who is an ex- who is a blue excavator, and is uh, voiced by uh, special guest star John DiMaggio. Yay! Oh, again, I I don't look up things, so I'm surprised by I, I'm surprised, but not surprised by that because I mean that's a very sounds... DiMaggio voice. I should have noticed. Yes, oh, yeah. he sounds pretty John DiMaggio. Yeah, you know he's he's Bender, he's Aquaman. He's that uh, little dog from that show. Yeah, he's that Jake. Transforms. Oh, he's right, Jake uh, from Adventure, Adventure Time. Time. Uh, he's, I think he's the bad guy in Kim Possible. Ooh. And I think he's, he's a- the main guy in those Gears of War video games. He was that guy, what? he was that human they ran into in that episode of Transformers Prime in the subways. Yes. And of course, don't forget, he's oh, also yeah. in a bunch of the live-action movies. Yes! He's, uh, what's his name with the trench coat? Crosshair. Yes, Crosshair. Uh, prior to that, he was also Leadfoot, one of the Wreckers in Dark of the Moon. Mm-hmm. And then in the last night, he's also Nitro Zeus. Oh, oh the best Nitro character. Zeus is great. He, I he feel knows like... where you live, Enrique. Say hello to your wife for him. <laughs> I feel like any, any use of the word character for the movies has to be in air quotes, though. But well, yes. he kind of does he's, have he's, like a personality, though, in that he's yeah, basically those, just Mr. T. 
Sure. The last night was definitely like the platonic ideal of a live action Transformers movie. So it, it does have some characters who have some actual character to them. It has the Suicide Squad moment. So there's like character for five minutes in the entire movie. And then like most of those guys get immediately killed. Yes. Yes, like the Suicide Squad. As you do. At least the best character in the Suicide Squad only lasted a minute, you know. Well, of course, you mean the best character, of course, being, uh, Slipknot, the man who can climb anything? Exactly. (laughs) Danny Moonstar's dad? Yes, tune into our, uh, New Mutants episode on Patreon to hear me talk entirely too much about (laughs) Slipknot, the man who can climb anything. Probably more than anyone else has ever talked about Slipknot, the man who can climb anything. Yes, probably less than people have talked about Slipknot, the band. Slip, wait, Slipknot has fought the Flash, hasn't he? No, yeah. he's a Firestorm villain. Fire? Oh, oh, he's only Firestorm? I mean, well, then he was on the Suicide mm. Squad, and then I think he got his arm blown off. Um, I, I don't I, read many DC comics. Um. I, I I don't read a lot of DC. I read the uh the Legion three boot, and that was that was about it. Oh, the Legion makes my head hurt. I can't. Yeah, I, can't. Legion I, I have been reading me. Far Sector because I like N.K. Jemison, but that's oh it. yeah, I hear that's good. It is. And uh, and his partner is Headlock, who is a uh, much smaller forklift. Uh, voiced by Eric Bauza, who is also the voice of Drift and was just announced to be the new voice of Bugs Bunny. Really? Oh, I, yes. I didn't I've know heard there were that. Bugs Bunny stuff. And I made the news I mean, here because he's Canadian. Uh, he reminds, not Eric Bauza, but not in general, but specifically Headlock reminds me a lot of uh, Cybertron slash Galaxy Wars 3 now. Yes. And Which nobody remembers. He was the old man robot. Yeah, the the old man robot from Velocitron. Yes. And specifically, this guy is a robotic version of Burgess Meredith's Mickey from the Rocky movies. Yes. <laughs> yes. Probably more relevantly. Like, he looks like him. Eric Bowser's kind of doing, like, a Burgess Meredith impression. And uh, sadly, although Burgess Meredith never was on Transformers, he was in G.I. Joe the movie. Oh, uh-huh. uh, that's something I need to rewatch. <laughs> Playing like a weird yeah. snake guy with a lobster grin out of his eye. <laughs> As you do. Perfectly was, uh, normal. Golobulous. Well, he was a weird snake guy at the end of the movie. For most of the movie, he's this giant floating guy sticking out of the top of a testicle. Well, I guess he's just riding around in the testicle. <laughs> Yes, at the very end. I want some, I saw, I once saw somebody do, like, pair their Golobulus figure up with a Beast Wars Retracts. <laughs> which is pretty clever. There you go. So yeah, there, and specifically, and much like, uh, Burgess Meredith's character, he is the trainer for Ground Pounder, who is, uh, who is a fighter. <gasps> and it, it is kind of, it's Dimaggio doing, like, his big dumb guy voice, and not specifically a Stallone impression. Possibly because then uh, they might be there at the same uh, recording session <laughs> yes. as Frank Stallone, and he'd get mad. Yeah, Fra- <laughs> Frank would be annoyed. Yes. Ayo. <laughs> and then Alternately, it would just get it would just get confusing. Yes, they're it's, both uh, sounding it, like Stallones. Too many Stallones. My rejected uh, '80s action movie pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Because you got you got uh, Fra- you got Sylvester Stallone, you got Frank Stallone, and then their mother, played by Estelle Getty from Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, so so yeah, they you know Grandpa's like, oh, when, when when am I gonna get back in the ring, Mick? <laughs> and uh, luckily, they just happened to be by a like an electronic talking billboard billboard for the new for the what? upcoming demolition derby at the crown city rumble dome <gasps> sunday sunday and, sunday it actually and, doesn't specifically occur on sunday 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 which is a little disappointing no no they're and clear it's, about chatting it's kind it. of demolition derby but it's also kind of like a giant dinosaur themed version of battle bots well that, that's the main attraction of, of your you know you have the demolition derby and then you have truckosaurus at the end right we have Mechanosaurus yeah, is, and yeah, Trucklodon. Yeah, Trucklodon. I love that. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, good. it's Truckosaurus and Tank Ceratops. Listen, those are copyrighted. Yeah. Well, Truckosaurus or, is or, Tank, or Tank Ceratops is from Final Fantasy. So. Oh. T- Tank Ceratops they can have for free. <laughs> yeah, that's not so great. Uh, <laughs> I don't, well. Anyway, uh, so so he, you know he's all hey, this you know, and they they also refer to the monster trucks as beast machines, which I appreciated. Yes, yes. which is kind of fitting because Ground Pound sort of looks like a gorilla. Well, he's got like big gorilla like arms and oh no, he's definitely like an like an ape man, and then yeah. Headlock is kind of partly Mickey, and then partly like he's got like chimp arms. Yeah, he's sort of a spider monkey or something. With he's probably going to eat your face. <laughs> yeah, and then they later use part. They later alter Ground Pounder's model to make an even more ape-themed guy. Yeah, there, I I remember there was a different guy who had like an uh, orangutan face. Yes, and he's like an evil monkey scientist. You know, well, like, like you do, monkey scientist. evil monkey scientist. I mean, he's, he's, like... he's a real Doctor Zaius. <laughs> no, Professor Bobo. Doctor Zaius. Doctor Zaius. Dr. I was going to take Dr. it Zayus. back to Transformers and say Primacron, but that's okay. Yes. <laughs> monkey scientist, a long tradition. Well, remember, <laughs> Dr. Bobo was a chimp. Scientist. I think, I, wait, was Dr. I think Dr. Zayas was an orangutan. Uh, yes. Like, uh, like Paul Giamatti in that, um, uh, in that remake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many distinguished actors embarrassing themselves as apes in that movie. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, so we cut back to the uh cut back to the uh, the scrap lot, the scrapyard. The Autobots are sort of moving their stasis pods around, the empty ones. But I guess they're heavy enough that Grimlock is trying to like lift two of them at a time to show Russell that he's like the man. Got to show yeah. how big and tough he is. Yes. And uh, this almost results in Russell being run over by his own father. <gasps> yeah, it's it's weird that like it's not really Grimlock's fault entirely that Danny almost runs over Russell. I mean, it's mostly his fault. <laughs> kind of, but like Russell was driving really fast in the general direction to run over his son. He just sort of swerved a little and more was running at him. I mean, it, it's not helping, but thankfully Bumblebee is there to avoid this brief moment of extreme human peril. Yeah. <laughs> yes. After this, we, this is, we, of course, get the two of them being like, oh my god, we're gonna crash. Well, the humans die. Cut to the opening credits. 
yeah, we, we kind of skip over the opening credits a lot of times or like personal danger other than when it's like just strong arm turning around. Who are you? Oh, it's Bumblebee. <laughs> this was like actual sort of peril. Yeah. It gets cut off by the commercial break. It's, yeah. it's a weak cliffhanger. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so Grimlock ends up dropping these pods. One of them uh, fall. One of them hits strong arm sideswipe and also breaks, well, wrecking all of no. its hard work. They all fall down before Grimlock finally drops the two containers he's got. Like, the accidents everyone else has seem incidental and just happen to be nearby while Grimlock is just sort of teetering with these two containers he could just barely carry. I mean, it's it's a Rube Goldberg situation. Kind of, but it's yeah. not set up, like, as funny. Like, if he dropped one and that caused things to shake and everyone else falls over and breaks, breaks like, the one stasis pod they just fixed to work again... Mm. But it, it it doesn't seem set up properly to work as a Rube Goldberg, or at least in the animation doesn't carry it properly. Yeah, it's kind of, or it might I have guess, been written as Rube Goldberg, but it didn't work that yeah, way. Yeah, maybe it's more like the opening of uh, Superman 3. Uh, well, that was... Yeah, that was almost Rube Goldberg, but that was mostly just sexy woman walk down street cause chaos. Yes. Because this woman is so sexy, men cannot function around her. Early, supposedly sexy in the seventies. Like, Allegedly, oh, eight, eight, the 70s. It was like it was like eighty three, I think. Nah. Well, remember this is the same woman who later seduces uh, evil, uh, uh, you know, sweaty Superman in that movie. Even what, yeah, but he was evil and trying to knock up Lana Lang at that point. Anyway, well, this is true. Well, you know, that's uh, you. You are talking about eighties Annetto Tool there. Speaking of men unable to function around her. I mean, <laughs> admittedly, she was better looking in that movie. But, you know. Anyway, so. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, everybody's pretty mad at Grimlock, and also there are Decepticons to fight. And specifically, it is these two who are headed towards uh, the Rumble Dome. <gasps> yes, which, like, after they see the billboard, they turn a little bit to the left. Oh, there's the dome. Yes. That was a good comedic setup. Yes. <laughs> it's right there. So we are there, and it is time for the main event, the Smashdown. And it is being announced by Farnham, who is also voiced by uh, John DiMaggio, and is a blonde guy in a cowboy hat. Yes. Mm. And he appears to be, like, the announcer, the promoter... um, The owner of the stadium, possibly? Yes. Yeah, he's... This is This is his thing. The cowboy hat's pretty great. Yes. And yeah, it is Mechanosaurus versus Truckalodon. <laughs> I love Truckalodon. Truckalodon is kind of like a Stegosaurus, and... <laughs> but um, Mechanosaurus it is a Triceratops. It should be Tankceratops. <laughs> Maybe it's more like Styracosaurus. I guess. I think it only had... The two horns to breathe fire and maybe one on the nose. No, it's, it's definitely got, it's got horns like on a, the, on the frill. Have does have like an ankylosaur tail to it, Truckalodon does. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, I mean, there are I mean, definitely horns on the other one. Yeah, well, and, and Truckalodon is based on Megalodon, which is a shark. <laughs> oh. I mean, okay. The shark who is so gigantic, its only natural enemy was Jason Statham. Jason Statham and a small submarine but yes Yes. and uh, Mechanosaurus is being driven by uh, Kate Bond 
or sorry, by Casey, who is voiced by Kate Bond. Who has, I feel like oh. this would have been a good Miko cameo. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and weirdly enough, this character is going to come back in like two seasons. Ooh. That's strange. I'm on board with that. And she has... But it, that's another reason it should have been Miko. And while she has this great helmet that, uh, it, you know, it's it's red, it's black and yellow. It's got like skull dealy boppers on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Just for it's no good. reason, but good design. This is a... I think the reason is because it's amazing. Yes. Crusher mm. Casey. Yes. So, so she's victorious. And be, but before she can be awarded the trophy, uh, here comes the new challenger, Ground Pounder. Hey, and they <laughs> just assume that he's just a pilot, not piloted, but a driven, like, homemade thing like the rest of them. Yes. So yeah, this is one of those situations where conveniently a giant robot animal crane is not that out of place, so everybody's like, yeah. okay with it. Mm-hmm. So, so... Yes, and he's he, he's here to eat Blitzwing, crap Thunderblast, and ground pound your mom. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever he says when he enters. I, I didn't write that part down. <laughs> Something like that. Close enough. Yeah, and uh, so he, he also in the very anime style announces all of his special moves before he does them. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, that is more anime than wrestling because there would be an announcer doing it. Like, it'd make more sense if, like, Headlock was announcing. Like, he took the microphone away from the announcer. But Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he, well, and obviously he wouldn't know that these are called, like, the Polyhex Power Slam or the Cyber City Suplex. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They all oh, have I, Cybertron I, City names. I couldn't quite hear that. I thought they said Cyber Six Suplex. Oh, no. <laughs> that that that's when he uh, cosplays as a well, I guess he would cosplay as a woman, and uh, yeah, that show was extremely weird. There is one where he okay. he uh, there is one named after the now Cybertron uh, location of Gygax, which yes. is also a real world uh, reference. But yes. presumably they just were looking at a list of. Names of Cybertronian cities. Mm, that's the yeah. That one did stick out a little weird as as a game designer who uh, was the, really the Gygax Gouger. Yes, if I remember correctly, there's some I, weird shit about. Gygax. I vaguely recall that place was named by uh, friends of the show, Greg Seplak and Trent Troop. That sounds right. I think it came up in like one of their tech stories or something. Probably that's that's one I would disagree with them on. Like, Gygax did a lot of things for uh, role-playing games, but um, not all great. It's possible. Uh, did mean, we know that at the time? Maybe not as much. Yeah. Gygax has, has said some stupid things. Yeah. But a lot of nerd things still keep him up, because he, he was on Futurama, as we mentioned yes, he was. last episode. <laughs> well, and like, uh, like John DiMaggio. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyway, so they're, uh, they found the Decepticon signals, but it doesn't matter because Russell has found it on TV. I like that, that they're like, 
that I, we think that's a, there's, there's some like, that, that looks like a Decepticon. I'm like, well, he's got a giant Decepticon symbol on his chest that you can see on the screen here. So yeah, he's probably a Decepticon. <laughs> I don't think you What's need not- any statements of uncertainty there. And it's not that giant. I mean, compared to the Decepticon sigils on some guys, it's reasonable. And, it's uh, not like his entire alt mode is a Decepticon sigil. There's at least two guys that have done that. Or his face. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it turns, it, it turns out that Fix-It is, uh, he's a real mark, as you might say. Yes. You what? N- no, no. Denny is the mark. Oh yeah, because uh, they're all, oh yeah, you, you know, you, you know. Grandpatter was in the gladiatorial fights in Cybertron. They're all, well, you know, weren't those fi- weren't, weren't the gladiatorial fights fake, like pro wrestling? And then he's like, wait, pro wrestling is fake? <laughs> Which, like, I love that. The, the adult, that- mind you. Not, not Russell, because Russell, as we have learned, is very savvy about these kinds of things. But Denny's like, that's such an old wrestling fan jo- or joke on wrestling fans. Twenty fifteen, I think the sell by date has passed for that joke. I mean, I think it's more of a get joke on Russ on uh, Denny. <laughs> it is, yeah. yes, but still, I think Denny would be a little beyond that. But anyway, Just a it, it turns out that he was indeed a a gladiatorial champ, but he was busted for cheating, and then afterwards uh, went on a rampage through Cybertron, and it took half the elite guard to bring him down. Yes, though Fix-It is very defensive of him, and Fix-It's markness in this seems to mostly just be that he is a big fan who doesn't want to believe yeah. that this cheating is happening and is very personally betrayed when he realizes that, yeah, he's a big cheater. He definitely had a bunch of ground powder merch. Yes. Had a poster in his bedroom as a teenager. A t-shirt. Mm. Yes. And, uh, yeah, well, he, he knows a bunch of his nicknames, including the Beast of Kaon and the Pounder of ground er. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was pretty cute. Which just makes me wonder, are those different characters he had, or just different names? I assume those... Did he have a robotic Mr. Socko? (laughs) Well, I guess that makes um, Headlock like his uh, his Paul Bearer. (laughs) I mean, McFoley was under Paul Bearer for a very short period of time. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So it's, it's time to send the Autobots through the ground bridge. So they head out and end up in the Arctic. Totally gonna work this time. Yes. <laughs> oh no, it's that episode of Prime. They're gonna freeze to death. <laughs> oh. Yes. Yeah, which doesn't come up really. Well, they they do say that. Uh, what is, Bumblebee says? Freeze your bolts off or something. Yes. Lug nuts. Something like that. I mean, probably not an issue for strong arm, but uh, all the it same, does, not pleasant. I feel like this was. Uh, I feel like. While they made some extremely poor decisions with the ground bridge in the last episode, I feel like its accuracy has gotten significantly worse all of a sudden. Yeah, it does kind of feel like it should be in the other order, but it sort of does story-wise work. It's like, oh, we expect it's going to work. Oh, it didn't work. Shoot. <laughs> like he like he tried to fix it, and it made it worse, is almost certainly what yes. happened. Or maybe all that water going through it uh, broke it. Yeah, waterlogged. So they go so back is... through it again, and then they come out closer. Yes. As Drift says, on the right continent, or landmass. Yes, well, we're on the right yes. landmass, at least. Like, what? whatever 
Drift, you try and fix it. This is another episode that I kind of feel like Drift was maybe not in the first draft. Yeah, but it's like, fun. is that his only line in the episode? Well, I guess... It's the only one I remember. Of course, I guess Eric Bows is in it a lot anyway, so he might as well be in it. Yeah. Yeah, whereas I don't think... Does Strongarm even get a line or Sideswipe? They definitely have um, lines, I think. Yes, okay. because yeah. it's uh, it's Strongarm who arrests uh, Headlock at the end. At the very uh, end, yeah. And she definitely fair. has something okay. like, hey, where do you think you're going? But it, but it, it's very easy to see that that right landmass thing was shifted from anybody else. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, give this one line to Drift. He's there. There we yeah, go. So it's just, a, yeah, so it's just, okay, listen, don't try and ground bridge us in again. We'll end up, you know, in the core of the earth or something. Yes. Fight, fighting the inhumanoids. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> so we're just gonna, dr- so we're just gonna drive there. So instead, you're gonna send Grimlock, and he's gonna be a contestant, and also Denny is in charge, because as it says, uh, he's, he's the, the closest, closest thing to a responsible adult. It, <laughs> yes. That they called it out in the text is delightful. I love that. I love that. Oh, and I forgot there was another Bumblebee catchphrase. Oh, there no. Was? Shit, I missed yes. it. Yes. Yes. Autobots, let's assume cover and burn rubber. Uh, oh, it was so bad, I, I forgot it immediately. And then so we just bad. heard cats yowling in the background. <laughs> Okay, so that's that's number 13, which makes seven in a row. Ooh, lucky seven. Let's go for number yeah. eight next time. <laughs> uh, I feel like we're going to break it. <laughs> so, back at the Rumble Dome, Casey's got the upper hand. She's pinned Ground Powder, but now Headlock, un- unseen by everybody in the audience. Despite the qu- fact that he's like an eight-foot-tall robot, which is still short, but... He's yeah, taller than a person. Seven. He's, a, he's an enormous robot simian, and he's just like crawling under her her vehicle and disconnecting it. Wait, shit! Is oh he? No, he is standing next to the announcer guy at one point, so he is about human height. I, I just guess remember maybe like he, he's taller than Fix It. He blends well, he in with it. all the like. But I forget how much shorter Fix It is. Maybe he blends yeah, yeah, so in like with all the mechanical feet. panels and everything under there. He's camouflaged. Yes, despite being orange. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it is visible on the TV broadcast, so Fix-It is very sad to find out that it, it was fake after all. He is. He's yeah. broken-hearted here, because, I mean, to be fair, cheating doesn't necessarily mean the entire thing is fake. That just means that one person was cheating. Yes. Yeah. But it is also entirely possible that there was some version of Cybertronian gladiatorial combat that was totally just scripted. Yeah, so so once more it is disguise time. <gasps> Yay! And they that's so they the they weld time. a they weld a cage onto the back of Grimlock to sort of be like his control booth to put Denny in there and also fix it as wearing clothes again. <laughs> fix it like we get a better look cuz like last time like he was just sitting in a car or sitting in strong arm or something. But yes. he's Somehow, the TMNT human disguise is even more unsettling on Fix-It than it is on Ninja Turtle. Well, that's because he doesn't have legs. No, yeah, he doesn't he have doesn't. legs. He just has wheels, weird hips, and, and his head is an odd shape. He's got, like, he's got a, a wig on, which makes it worse. He's somehow. got like a long shirt or something that's like covering most of his lower body, but 
it's yeah it's not convincing it's great i love him i mean it's not fooling anybody but also it's fooling everybody (laughs) yes so yeah uh, so we cut back to the autobots they're stuck behind a train and after a bit of sneaking around the facility the grimlock is now facing off against ground pounder as dino bash also, so, yes. for one thing, yeah, Grimlock is clearly already as disguised as Ground Pounder is. Like, I don't even know that they needed to put the cage on him because Ground Pounder doesn't have one. Uh, no. Also, there's a really great bit where they're, like, over the walkie-talkies, and I think Russell- Oh, they're- th- says that he's danger magnet and he's like and yes and or he's like oh we were we were gonna call me mine was gonna be danger magnet and and then he's like sorry that was taken and then fix it's like <laughs> announces himself as danger magnet which is which, which is great which is a more fitting for him yes the, the other two code names are are pig pen and rubber duck because i guess <laughs> denny's a big fan of convoy <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Oh. Probably. That sounds about right. And also, I forgot to mention that uh, Ground Pounder uh, quotes uh, Senator Lloyd Benson. What? Uh, remember, he was um, Michael Dukakis's running mate in 1988. Sure. I do not and remember he... that. I was okay, like, and he was. I vaguely remember Dukakis. You know, he posed hilariously in a tank, and that was enough to sink your campaign back then. Oh, right, that, yeah. But anyway, and uh, he was running against George Bush and Dan Quayle, and so they were at the vice presidential debate. Oh, boy. And Benson was all, you know, you know, people have compared you to, you know, Jack Kennedy. And listen, Senator, I, I knew Jack Kennedy. I worked with Jack Kennedy. You're no Jack Kennedy. Oh, that that's his That quote. line. Uh-huh. Okay. That is a I've heard permutations of that line for my entire life. That I is a quote that gets know the thrown around enough that the source has become somewhat obscured with time. But Yeah, despite yeah, it I, only being thirty some years ago. Yeah, not a lot of people are remembering uh Lloyd Benson. I'm pretty sure I saw some news program run that clip specifically like before the Maybe Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. I I forget. <laughs> Another well, VP that, debate. That quote always felt like it was translated from ancient Greek or something to me. It always felt like it was really <laughs> old. You know, the ancient anyway. Greek John F. Kennedy. Well, no, I, di- I didn't remember Kennedy was the punchline of that. I thought it was something else. Like Socrates or some shit. Anyway, um, so so, so yeah. we, we we are leading up to the moment where I think, wait, was this ghost written by Don Glut? Because we are going to have uh, Mecha Godzilla versus Mechanicong. <laughs> I, I was just thinking about uh, that. Uh, I was just thinking about Beast Wars. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. Bunky versus dinosaur. Or of course the original King Kong, in which King Kong fights a Tyrannosaurus. Hmm. Yeah, but but um, nobody's ripping open anyone's jaws in this episode. Well, no. Yeah. So yeah, there, there, you know, there is a fight, and it is a cool fight. And uh, yeah, and Fix It is kind of coaching Grim from the sidelines, and also the the Rumble Dome itself starts being torn apart, so everybody just runs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of great. Yes. 
Yeah, like like the um, I get that like Denny really doesn't even have to be here. He could be like, oh, I got a remote control, stick him in a corner. But it's the moment of tension because he's stuck on Grimlock's back and gets really stuck. Well, there are a lot yes. of things that Grimlock does. It's like you could really easily land on your back and just squash Denny. This was a yes. bad plan to begin with. I yes. honestly have no idea how Denny survived this, and especially, and this is yeah. jumping ahead slightly, <laughs> I think Bumblebee or somebody specifically states that there were no human injuries, and I'm like, how? Denny should be going how? to the hospital. Denny should have at least broken a foot <laughs> and had a concussion. Like, Grimlock jumps in the air and spins as a wrecking ball at least one point. Yeah. Denny, Denny's gonna have a concussion? <laughs> Something not good? Anyway. How is he not dead at the end of this, I'm wondering? <laughs> yes. So we have this big... Oh, the fight is... It's probably not the best fight in the show so far, but it's really fun to watch giant monkey fight giant dinosaur in stadium and wreck everything. Oh, it's so good. Uh, and specifically, there is a uh, there is a big Godzilla reference in this. Yes, we'll get to that. I, I want to do a stupid joke first. Okay. Ride Grimlock. Life good. Grimlock fight back. Kill Grimlock. Grimlock gone. Think about Grimlock. Regret. <laughs> but yes, there's a Godzilla reference that, oh my god, I, I'm thankful the wiki had it. Because, well, I, I watched this episode when it aired. It was one of the half of the series that I did see. And I should have figured, like, yeah, somebody on the wiki's gonna get it, but I was worried somebody wouldn't get it because it's... Grimlock does an attack that is directly taken from Godzilla vs. Megalon, where Godzilla jumps, tail-dragging, flying kicks at Megalon, which, well, here it's Grimlock doing it against, uh, Ground Pound by just the flying kick. But he, uh, Grimlock only does it once, whereas Godzilla does it three times in the movie. <laughs> It, no, it's I am... the Godzilla movie I've seen the most because it was always on TV. Yeah, and interesting note, I believe that is actually an Omni-dub. Uh, yes, yes it was. The, um, the the later ones of that era were Omni-dub. The Mechagodzilla is <laughs> gigantic. I think because Gigan was too. They do occasionally, especially when they're having like one of their, occasionally they'll do like a big kaiju month uh, on Comet TV. Uh, and they'll pull this out and I'll put it on in the background when I'm like playing WoW or something and listen to Chrome Dome talking about Jet Jaguar. And, <laughs> and Godzilla. <laughs> because yeah, it is one of the like, it's entirely the handful of people who they know, uh, who do the Omni production dubs. So it just sounds like all of the, the same people who do the amazing Transformers dubs, except talking about Jet Jaguar. Yeah, I think, like, Godzilla vs. Megalon might have, like, the least amount of voice actors in it. I think there's, like, three guys talking to himself. <laughs> and one woman being a child. It's like Galvatron, Chrome Dome, <laughs> like, Six Shots, and then occasionally you get Daniel. And that's also the one that they did on Mystery Science Theater, right? Yes. Yes. It's the one that was on DVD, but no longer is, because that was a whoops. So that that's like the rarest MST3K on DVD, anyway. Ooh. But of course, it's easy to find in places and download. Yep. Would places. recommend it. There's a few few jokes that don't age well, but that's one of their best episodes to me, mm. anyway. I know they've got some currently uh, 
on Pluto, I've seen them show some of the, uh, the MST3K Godzilla stuff. Yeah. I don't know that this was specifically one of them. Uh, uh but... well, no, Gamera stuff. Gamera stuff they can do. This was the one Godzilla movie they did, and no, you can't get that. Uh, Toho does not approve, especially Toho considering, like, Toho has been better at putting stuff out recently. Like, oh, you can get all, all, all the old movies are in that box set, which I still haven't watched all of them yet. Uh, I need to do that. Among many things I need to get to watching over Christmas. But yes, mostly I'm familiar of, with this one as being one of the ones that has an Omni production stub, so it's the same voice cast that does the terrible, terrible Transformers stubs. Mm-hmm. So Grimlock starts getting the upper hand, and then it's time for Headlock to step in and sort of just like very annoyingly zap uh, Grimlock. Yes. Like yeah, just, poking just him almost pokes. Sparks at his toes. It's just an annoyance. And so in a moment that I'm sure every wrestling fan dreams of, Fix-It has entered uh, the ring. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes! And he pulls some pretty sick moves on, uh, yeah, on he Headlock can here. Wrestle, like, he, what? He, he knows uh, Ground Pounder's moves well enough, so he's like, hey Grimlock, he's about to do this, so you'll need counter it, and Grimlock's like, I don't know what that what? is, How? and Fix-It's like, watch me, and he does this, like, super exciting little fight move, and it's it's pretty yeah. great. A I, like, judo flip that leads I, into a triple kick. I like him getting to do a tiny fight. I bet he's, like, practicing this in his backyard with a bunch of other mini-cons. Yes! <laughs> Aww. Going off the roof into a flaming table. He it, does a tiny fight. It was really cool, but it's like, it was almost one of my favorite things that happened to Tokusatsu. Not often enough, there were like, you have a foreground fight of human-sized figures and then the giant monsters in the background fighting. This was not quite that. This was, was fixed fighting in the foreground while Grimlock watches and then does it on mm-hmm. Ground Pounder. But oh, it was so close. It it doesn't really happen that often in the movies. It happens in Ultraman more often in your Sentai every once in a while. Oh, I love it. It's like just the forced perspective and it's ridiculous and awesome. <laughs> so yeah, he uh, he finishes off Ground Pounder and finally, finally, uh, as Headlock attempts to exit, the uh, the rest of the Autobots finally get there. Yes, yeah. finally. They have arrived. And it is it is Strongarm who arrests Headlock. <laughs> Yay! Good. She gets to do her favorite thing, arresting people. Yes. And so so they're about to head back with two new prisoners, and uh and Russell gets that winner's trophy, and he presents it to the champions. Grimlock and fix it. Yay! And then Denny is somehow not just like a bloody pulp up in Yes, he's, he is somehow not pate. <laughs> How? I don't even know. It's a miracle. Yes. And uh, that is the episode. I, I enjoyed this one a lot. It's extremely silly. Yeah. It was but fun. It... I'm not really into boxing or sports or Rocky except for Rocky IV because it has a Vince Nicola soundtrack. <laughs> and a robot. Yes. Yeah. I think that's 
Yeah, this episode could could have used like a new song or something, just crank up the soundtrack a little bit with fighting was going on. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, it's really fun. It's goofy Godzilla references. What's not to love? Ground pounding. That's it's right. Really fun. Pounding ground is always exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's a good episode. All right, so I believe that now brings us to David's Tokusatsu Corner. Yes, this week on Shuka Sentai Gogo 5, the New Year's first dream is a Saima Melody. I don't entirely know why Melody's in the title. Maybe it's a pun in Japanese or something in the Japanese title. Usually if but, something uh, doesn't make sense, it's like five levels of Japanese wordplay, like the whole thing with turnips in Animal Crossing. Oh, wow, yeah, that's... That, <laughs> turnip gag thing that I found. Wait, that's a joke? That's why? Ask uh, ask our friend who uh, is Japanese Canadian American about it. She'll mm-hmm. explain it. Yeah, I know. I did see it and I was like, wow, that's really complex and how they translated it <laughs> actually kind of worked. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, Grand Witch Grandina is so mad at her remaining children, all two of them, and then her failed children that died, she locks herself in her room. Which has not been part of the set before, but there's this door she just closes and leaves the episode. Suddenly like, there's okay. Suddenly there's a door there. Yeah, suddenly there's a door there. They're locked. The, the two remaining kids are just mopey and sad. It's like, oh, I guess we gotta do this on our own, whatever. But they're mopey. So the butler goes out to kick some more butt by summoning a monster that. Oh, I should have looked up what it is. The, um. The Japanese dream monster that looks like a taper. Uh, uh, I think it's come up before yeah, on the podcast. Baku? Yes, Baku. That's what it is. I, I just know it is the dream eater. Baku. Yes, it, it's called the dream eater. Uh, it's dream vision beast Bahamu. Hmm. It looks like a, the head's like a taper, but it's got like another face in its belly that's shaped like a seal. And it's got, like, a tiger print on it. It's a very weird but cool design mm-hmm. that eats dreams, of course. As they do. So the, the 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 butler's sending that taking that monster out to kick some butt anyway. But it's New Year's, which means, like, a few episodes ago we had Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day. Now, in back-to-back episodes, we've had New Year's and New Year's Day, like... The last four episodes have not been conse- four consecutive days, but they've been four days, Christmas Eve to New Year's Day. <laughs> is, like, is this a two, episode- two in a row and then two in a row. Is this a Dragon Ball Z fight? No, because it's not like it's a continuation. Like, well, the, the, the Christmas Eve and the Christmas Day one, those were continuations. This is just the next day. It, it seems like somehow... Like, there's always, like, usually the recap episode around New Year's, and then there's a Christmas episode, but that there's four in a row seems really stacked. Like, these couldn't have all lined up. Actually, wait, when did this one air? Oh, this this did air on January 2nd, so the last one would have been quite a bit before New Year's, and the Christmas ones were even before that. Hmm. Weird. But anyway, New Year's, big day. The the Rangers are getting dressed up in um seasonal... uh. Yukatas, kimonos, whatever the ones are that are less formal. Anyway, they're going to New Year's, going to a, a shrine, temple thing to ring a bell to celebrate New Year's. And they run into Kyoko again. Yay! Oscar's <laughs> voice actress is back. We haven't seen her in a while. <laughs> so they have a little nice nice. And that's when the monster attacks. 
and it sticks its little taper nose on the head of the rangers and sucks out their dreams, which makes them sort of lazy, but then later they're like messing around as if they're childlike, so it I guess it just makes them lazy college students by sucking out their dreams or something. That does kind of, speaking of Animal Crossing, that does kind of remind me of how the childlike villager is formally called lazy, and I wonder if there's some, like, (laughs) translation thing there. Uh, Yeah, probably pun-related, maybe. Children being lazy. Japan is built for puns. Well, yes. Anyway, so it's a Dream Eater monster. It gets all the rangers except for Red. And it gets Kyoko. So their dreams have been sucked into him, but they're still outside and whatever. And But then the, the taper's like, I'm full. So they, Butler has to take him away so we can have the rest of the episode happen. Uh, I forget what even happens next. The, the rangers are just lazing around at home playing silly games and things because, because they're children. They're children. Okay, it is because they're children. I guess, because they're a child. Like, and like the father, like, you know, I don't know how dreams work. This is weird, but they're losing their energy. And then Red's like, oh no, they're going to die. No, they're just going to be lazy. <laughs> Which is kind of a perfect line to come from their dad. But anyway, so uh, the monsters are attacking something or other. So Red has to go back out and fight them. In- oh, oh no, I, I think I fight them. In, like, I think it's the to- Toei stage where they have, like, stage shows for ranger fights and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think it's actually one of those stages, because it's like a layered thing with, like, fake painted rocks in the background. I think it's it's one of the stadium things. It might be Toei's, or maybe just another standard one they use somewhere. <laughs> but it's like, yay, yeah, a tokusatsu stunt show thing. So they have a little fight there, and then Red gets... Starts to get his dreams sucked out, but somehow he shrinks down and goes inside the monster's mouth and its belly. I missed that part. I don't know how, but anyway. He's in there fighting with the ranger's dreams. Like, he bumps into a bunch of them. Like, oh, to tie into this episode, Blue wants to be a boxer. So red, so Blue punches Red. And then, uh, Yellow wants to be a bike cop and other things. But the best one is Kyoko's, where she is the Red Ranger and <laughs> beats up the the actual Red Ranger. Because she's in the costume and he's not because he's in the dream. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just a series of that dream things, which were more entertaining than the dream episode that Robots in Disguise did, for me anyway, because it was funnier. Mm. And it was less, because it was trying to be dreams, not nightmares. Right. They failed on the nightmare part. The dreams were entertaining. Uh, where is after that? Oh, and throughout the episode, there's songs more than usual. Like, uh, what is it? Green, Green's dream is being in a rock band and they play a little bit of a song, which feels like it might be a full song that the entire Rangers sang. Uh, Mondo sings a song to get them out of the dreams on a triple guitar, um, ukulele combo thing. Like it has three necks. On the guitar. <laughs> too many nicks. It's very weird. It is far too many nicks. Like, like, ridiculous shit like electric guitars and rock bands that have them on stage. That can make sense. But this is an acoustic guitar with three nicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very weird. And then, um, towards the end of the episode, like, Dinas shows up in a dream world when the monster gets defeated and grows big, and she's singing a song, and and then the Pink Ranger sings a song in attack against that. It's like, I feel like, like, a 
a CD dropped when this episode came out for the series. <laughs> Maybe. Like various character songs or something. Because there's like five different songs throughout the episode. It's very odd. But m- somehow Mondo playing a three-necked guitar saved the day. You know, because, I mean, I guess if you can do that, then that's pretty impressive, and maybe that saves the day. Kind of, yeah, I I think, oh, I should have looked up, but I think one of the actors in the show actually kind of was a singer. I forget if it was Mondo or the Red Ranger. Somebody was. But then again, like a lot of shows, like, they try to push, like, oh, this person could sing, but they, they sort of only can kind of sing, but we're pushing it out anyway, which explains, like, the promotion of this episode trying to sell a CD, presumably. <laughs> we're trying to make them singers. Come on, work with us here. Yeah, but sometimes, like, singers actually do do toku and stuff, like, um, was it Sharvan or, no, uh, Scheider. Scheider had, uh, like, one of the bad guys was an actual singer who was just, a villain in the show for like half the show is like, okay, what? You're, you're like a professional. What are you doing here? Have I mentioned any time in the last few years that I have at least a rip of a CD of an album that Cam Clark did of singing? Oh, yes. It has come up before, I think, yes. Cause it's pretty great. <laughs> anyway, day is saved and the end of the episode is go, go 2000 because it's the year 2000 now. Yay! This is the first episode of the year 2000. Ooh. For them and... Actually, wait. Is it going to be the first episode for us? I forget we're recording ahead of time because holidays. It's close. It, it, it's, it's either the first or second episode. No. Yeah, this should be the first episode of the new year, I think. Well, Unless there you I'm go. Happy New Year's. It's very yeah. well-timed. Happy New Year's. Happy 2021. Hopefully it isn't the 13th <laughs> month of 2020. It's just going to be 2020 again. So you can look at the yes. clock on your computer and it'll say 13-1-2020. <laughs> Would not be shocked. Uh, no. Anyway. Fun, silly little episode. All right. So that does it for this episode. We'll be back next week with more Robots in Disguise. But until then, you can find us all over the internet. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. And we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, where we have a Patreon set up to help with uh, hosting costs and other expenses. That is at patreon.com slash iaconunderground. Uh, I guess if this is airing in January, uh, we haven't decided yet what we're going to do in January, but I did find that Generation X TV movie on Daily Motion, so it might be Ooh. that. Uh, or it might be something good. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we, d- we did treat ourselves with, with New Mutants, which I guess that's good. Got you. It was better than I expected it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I suspect uh, this Generation X movie will be worse than you expected. Yes. Yeah. I, I watched it when it aired at the time, uh, and I haven't seen it since, so I am looking forward to some Matt Frewer, uh, because I'm Wait, always is... looking forward to some Matt Frewer. Am I confusing, like, wannabe X-Men shows of the 90s? Is this the one where one of the villains was basically Andy Warhol? That was Mutant X. Okay. Which was, was not one. really based on the comics at all. No. No, not really, but it felt like it started out as that, and then yes. it wasn't. 
And somehow Andy Warhol was a villain. Oh, he, the main bad guy was 100% just fake Andy Warhol. Hmm. <laughs> Whereas this actually has, like, I, Jubilee is in this, right? Yes, like, although I'm... I, I, well, she was in Generation X. Yeah, she was, like, their headline character. Yeah. Because she was yeah, an X-Man, and she liked to remind other members of the team that she was with the X-Men. And they were like, shut up, Jubilee. <laughs> Especially because oh, one of oh. them was, was M, who was absolutely like, shut up, Jubilee. Also, I um, th- I think this actress playing Jubilee is white. Oh no! Oh no! No, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, as, as I was about to, <laughs> let's distract from that horribleness. Um, <laughs> I can't wait until we have a Jubilee in live action. I know technically we have. But she was barely in that movie. That's true. In the 90s, and she didn't go to the fucking mall. <laughs> Nor did she eat any chili fries. No. Uh, yes, bring, bring, bring Jubilee live action M- Marvel. So you got hey, Disney. Possibly hey, a, hey, give us a better Please. Emma Frost than January Jones? I don't know. I guess we'll find out, maybe. Now that I've said this, yes. it seems kind of set in stone. They... they or, or a better... They've tried uh, Emma Frost. Or a better Emma Frost than Finola Hughes, who is in this uh, TV movie. Yeah. Looks like she's like oh, a big no. soap opera actress. Is she? And also she was in uh, Staying Alive, the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to see what the skin tone of the person playing M is. No, no, I, I, I'm afraid. Uh, her name is Amaryllis. Yeah, I see that. She only has Amaryllis. one name, which she's is... from Texas. No. Oh, she hasn't had any acting credits since 1997. That's not. It's not oh, a good dear. sign. Yeah, well, and then the guy playing Banshee is from Canada. <laughs> well, that's closer than being an American. See how not that much Monty. closer. See how clear no, Monty really, her but... accent is. Or his accent. Oh, dear. Anyway. Anywho. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> or maybe uh, it'll be something else entirely. We'll find out yes. soon. Yeah, so, uh, so until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm gonna ground pound your mom. <laughs> whoa, 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 Can't help it. Bad jokes have gotten back into me by watching stuff online. At least the person playing Emma is wearing a corset in one of these screenshots I see here. So Hmm. that's something. That's how you know it's accurate.